Welcome to HR in 15, a podcast dedicated to addressing the complexities of modern HR in just 15 minutes. Brought to you by Prestige PEO, simplifying HR. Hi, and welcome to another episode of HR in 15. I'm Latoya Velez, Supervisor of HR Client Services and Diversity Officer here at Prestige PEO and your host today. Uh, Today joining us again is Jen Curry, founder of Change Impact, which helps social impact organizations achieve results and advance equity. Thanks for joining us again today, Jen. The last time we chatted, you gave us a brief overview of implicit bias and some examples within the workplace. Can you review that definition one more time for those that need a refresher or missed the last episode? Sure. Hi, Latoya. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm really glad to be here. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to share a little bit again about um, the, the kind of basics of implicit bias. So um, it's really all about how our brains work and um, biases are shortcuts that our brains use to process information and really help us get through our day. Um, there are actually over 180 different cognitive biases that have been documented. Um, many of which are actually helpful to us and, you know, help us kind of sort through information and and understand the world around us. Um, But of course, the problem with bias is when they cause harm. So, for example, um, one of our biases is that we tend to like people more who are more like us, which makes sense. We like ourselves, um, (laughs) which might be fine, you know, in in sort of social um, aspects of our life, but, you know, can really lead us in the workplace to um, oversee talent or to make a hire because we feel more comfortable with somebody rather than picking the best person for the job. Um, and there are all sorts of other biases that promote and uh, perpetuate harmful stereotypes and assumptions that can really hold us back at work. Yes, thank you. Thank you for going over that again. Uh, you provided some really great examples um, last episode as well, which was helpful to really uh, bring it home for me, you know, for example, to understand where, where that might show up. Now that we all understand implicit bias, uh, are you able to give us your top five tips to mitigate bias within the workplace? I sure am, and I love a good uh, top five list. So this <laughs> this is perfect for me um, because it really does come down to a handful of things that are not scary, not hard to do, don't cost money. This is mm-hmm. not like some program that you have to buy <laughs> in order to to mitigate bias in the workplace. It's it's really just doing some simple things. So uh, with that, I'll share uh, tip number one which is really easy. It's just to acknowledge that you have biases and that others do as well. And it sounds silly, but you know, I think we, um, we often hear these words and it feels scary or it feels like somebody's judging our character. And what we really need to realize is that we all have biases. It is how the human brain works. So we have to kind of normalize it and understand that they're there. Um, one way of doing that is maybe taking something like the Harvard Implicit Bias Assessment It's a free uh, tool online and um, it simulates that process of making very quick decisions and judgments. And at the end, it gives you kind of a score or an assessment of how you did. And I've never um, had, you know, a surprising result there. Every time I take one of those tests, it shows that I have biases. It shows that other people have biases. And, you know, if you're still a holdout and you're not so sure, it's a good little test to take just to remind you that, yep, we all have them. We've all heard these 
messages in the media and in um, history textbooks and movies that have caused our brain to just make certain assumptions. So um, tip number one, just make sure that you acknowledge that you have biases and that's the first step to doing some of these other things that I'll share. Awesome. So with that, we'll move on to tip number two, which is to continuously learn. And if you are a supervisor or a leader in a company or an organization, you know, this is a great place for you to start um, because you can create some spaces where learning is, um, is, is, you know, just something that people do together. It again, doesn't have to be scary. doesn't have to feel like um, a very formal training, but by, you know, understanding more of our history, um, understanding more of the kind of narratives that are around us about race and gender and sexual orientation and other types of identities. Um, by hearing more what I'll call a stereotypical stories. So, you know, we may um, have assumptions in our minds about groups of people and by hearing stories that counteract those, it actually helps to rewire your brain away from believing the, the quick implicit biases that our brains are trying to tell us. So whether you're screening documentaries as a team or sending articles around, even following different kinds of hashtags on Twitter, right, to expose yourself to people who aren't like you, it's gonna help your brain to, um, to, to stop making those quick judgments and, and it's gonna kind of retrain your brain with new information that'll help to mitigate those biases. On the example you used on a, um, the previous episode about nurses versus doctors and assuming a nurse is a woman, I think seeing a picture of more women doctors and then also seeing pictures of maybe men nurses is, is one way to Re rewire your brain in, into seeing that. Exactly right. Exactly right. And and you know you can do that in so many ways now with just the internet, right? And having mm -hmm. access to any story, um, any type of person. You know, I've I've never lived in say a rural community, um, and I've done some work in rural communities where I said I really have to start teaching myself more, right? And exposing myself to more just stories and people to be able mm -hmm. to to better understand. And, and that's really what that's all about. Yes. Thank you. So tip number three is to build accountability partnerships. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we all again have our own biases, but the interesting thing is that um, some of those we share, uh, you know, they're sort of common assumptions, um, particularly about things as big as gender and race, where we've, we've all heard, um, you know, a lot of the same kind of narratives over time. Um, but we also have different biases from each other. And so one way to mitigate your bias is to work with somebody else, um, especially when you're making a decision. So if you are interviewing for a job, there should always be two people at least conducting an interview. Um, and you want to make sure intentionally make sure that those two people have different identities. Um, and that could be in all, all different kinds of ways, right? Where they grew up or what their education was like, their race, their gender, their um, national origin, all, you know, think about identity in all different ways. But when you team up with somebody else, you're gonna bring in a different perspective and they're gonna help you see things that your brain is going to miss because of your bias. Um, and similarly, you can do things like use a rubric for, again, using an interview as an example. If you have a rubric, it's gonna make the interview process and your notes and your decision less subjective because your team has all agreed these are the competencies that we're looking for 
And, you know, it's not going to allow me to say, but this person, you know, went to NYU just like me. So I want to hire them, right? Because going to NYU is not going to be on the rubric. <laughs> so it'll help me to kind of interrupt my own bias of, of wanting to hire somebody who's like me. So things like having somebody else in the room using a rubric is all going to help um, to interrupt those biases. So moving to tip number four, um, this is about including your commitment to equity and anti-bias behavior as a really explicit commitment in your staff expectations. So we often assume that everybody has the same values or the same understanding even of what equity, bias, anti-racism, what these words mean. And we just can't make those assumptions. We've all um, you know, been in different social uh, situations, different workplaces with different kinds of norms. And so, you know, if you're a leader who's committed to mitigating implicit bias, you got to say that out loud and just be really clear about what that means. So, you know, instead of hoping that, um, you know, every interview will be conducted by two people, that has to be part of a policy and that, you know, should go in your employee handbook or you should have those um, again, those rubrics and, and, you know, in your performance review criteria, especially for leaders and managers explicitly say we, you know, we expect you to uphold anti-bias behavior. We expect you to uphold our values around equity. And if somebody knows that that's coming through in their performance review, right, they're going to pay a little more attention to it than they would otherwise. Right. So uh, that's definitely something um, in my role as, uh, you know, having clients and, and, providing them you know, with my um, knowledge and guidance, uh, you know, recognizing that and providing with the, the handbook creation, um, some of these um, templates that are consistent across the board. So ensuring that um, there's not a lot of fluctuation and the biases can be, um, you know, eliminated in part, part of those processes. Those are things that um, I actually enjoy doing, um, but working with our clients on that, at, um, that's definitely, I'm glad that it's on this list that we're doing that. Yeah, it's it's huge to, to take the implicit and make it explicit, right? Like there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to say these things out loud mm -hmm. and just make it really clearly known. Um, and, and again, I mean, the nice part is that we're not faulting anybody for having biases. We all literally have them, every single one of us. Um, by, but by making it known that we expect our team to disrupt them yes. and putting that in places like a handbook, um, which I'm sure is something that you do all the time, mm -hmm. it's just going to help to make it a more uniform, more fair experience for everyone. Yes, definitely. And my last tip, tip number five, um, is a great one, and hopefully everybody will be able to do this one, which is taking care of yourself. And I know that sounds silly. You're like, wait, aren't we talking about bias? But <laughs> Research shows that when we are stressed, tired, rushed, even hungry, we are more likely to engage in biased behavior and thought. And so if you're not taking good care of yourself, you're, you're more likely to be part of you know, the problem when it comes to bias. And so what I think this looks like is you know, giving yourself breaks and giving others breaks on your team using that paid time off that's what it's there for and making it part of your team culture that it's not a bad thing in fact it's a great thing to take time off um, and take care of yourself so part of this is also setting good work boundaries and and again modeling that for your team and others around you i recently found out from my team that my slack green light was on um, off business hours and they all thought i was working but really i was watching netflix on my computer and so <laughs> i've, I've that, but I want to, you know, those are the kinds of things where I know I need to model 
um, healthy work, you know, boundaries and practices for lots of reasons, but especially because when we're not our best selves, we are more biased and that's, that's just based on facts and research. And, you know, if we want to be good leaders, we have to make sure that we are, um, are mitigating bias as much as we can, including um, taking care of ourselves. And that's a really, you know, fun and easy tip to take. So I, I hope, um, I hope everybody will take away all five tips, but especially that last one to take care of yourselves. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. Um, I actually didn't realize that um, that that can come out. You know, I didn't realize that. So the self care is is more than just taking a break, um, just to kind of you know take a break from your work, but it's also to eliminate those biases that come out. So um, that's interesting and very free. I like the freeness of all <laughs> of these tips. <laughs> Well, we're we're very frugal over here, so I always <laughs> like to give uh, affordable tips. Um, yeah, and and there is absolutely no cost to taking care of yourself and others, and it has it just does a world of good for your team. Yes, wonderful. Thank you so much, Jen. This information was great. Uh, I hope everyone was able to take that uh, those five tips and really put them to use. Uh, I, I will for sure. Um, and to our audience, we hope that you can, um, like, as I mentioned, take these tangible actions and turn them into positive outcomes at your office. Uh, in the meantime, you can find more information about Jen and Change Impact at www.changeimpact.net. And for more information on diversity, equity, and inclusion, please visit our website, Diversity Center, prestigepeo.com forward slash diversity dash center. And if you're interested in hearing more episodes of HRN15, visit us at hrn15.com and that's hrn15.com. Until next time, thanks everyone. For questions or more information on today's topic, visit prestigepeo.com.